You're listening to a podcast by the Center for Action and Contemplation. To learn more, visit cac.org. Greetings. Uh, I'm Jim Finley. Welcome to Turning to the Mystics. Greetings, everyone. Uh, Welcome to our time here together, uh, turning to the teachings of the Christian mystic Thomas Merton to help us deepen our experience and response to God's presence in our lives. Uh, This session actually is our last session on uh, Thomas Merton. And uh, as I understand it, there's an opportunity now for you to uh, submit questions around these reflections on Merton we've been sharing here together. And um, uh, those, my response to those questions will then be posted. You can have availability, have, them, have access to those. Uh, our next um, a series of eight sessions or so will be turning in, the, in a very similar way to the teachings of St. Teresa of Avila uh, on the interior castle. And um, there'll be a chance to ask questions, and we'll go from there. Next mystic will probably be St. John of the Cross and so on. <clears throat> and in this session, what I, I want to do is I'd like to kind of go back and review um, our explorations of Thomas Merton by singling out um, seminal themes or seminal aspects of his of his teachings, and I think this is significant because by singling out these themes, as we go th- from one mystic to the next, we'll see how these same themes are found in all the mystic teachers in the in the, in the Christian tradition. And really, and all, all of the mystic teachers of all the world's great religions, for they're the themes of contemplative consciousness itself. That is, it experientially opens up to us um, the uh, spiritual worldview uh, and, and the path that worldview illumines, how we might follow it and live it and share it with others day by day. And um, and therefore, to the extent then, the, the, the this worldview, these teachings um, rings true to you. That is, insofar as it speaks to you, or you feel drawn towards it, it bears witness. Then, the extent to which you're already on this path, uh, you're already being invited to um, follow this ancient lineage of uh, intimate awakening to uh, this oneness with God, one with us in life itself, day by day. And so it, it, it's not a, um, as our first theme then, kind of implied throughout, I'd actually like to add another quote here from Merton. This is from Merton's Palace of Nowhere, page 40. And um, the first theme is that this is always grounded in life itself. That is, it's not a method or a theory, but it's a way of speaking of or entering into an enriched understanding of the intimacy of our own life as opening out upon the intimacy 
of God given to us as life itself. And so here's the passage in Merton, page 40, Merton's Palace of Nowhere. Merton writes, Very often the inertia and repugnance which characterize the so-called spiritual life of many Christians could perhaps be cured by a simple respect for the concrete realities of everyday life, for nature, for the body, for one's work, one's friends, one's surroundings, etc. A false supernaturalism which imagines that the supernatural is the kind of platonic realm of abstract essences, totally apart from and opposed to the concrete world of nature, offers no real support to a genuine life of meditation and prayer. Meditation has no point and no reality unless it is firmly rooted in life. Without such roots, it can produce nothing but the ashen fruits of disgust, achadia, and even morbid and degenerate introversion. And achadia is this word we see in the desert fathers and desert mothers. It's a sense of deep discontent in the spiritual life. And that the cure for the discontent is to reground ourselves in the concrete realities of our life, for our body, our mind, our emotions, the people we live with and uh, are, who love us and we love them in our daily work, our service, life, 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 uh, the divinity of the concrete immediacy of life itself. And a second text associated with the same thing about grounding ourselves and finding uh, God's presence and life itself. This is page 92 of Merton's Palace. Merton writes, We should not look for a method or system, but cultivate an attitude, an outlook, faith, openness, attention, reverence, expectation, supplication, trust, joy. All these finally permeate our being with love, insofar as our living faith tells us that we are in the presence of God, that we are living in Christ, that in the Spirit of God we see God our Father without seeing. We know Him in unknowing. Faith is the bond that unites us to Him in the Spirit who gives us light and love. And so the path then is this perpetual metanoia, this perpetual conversion of the fundamental attitudes of our heart in these, um, in these stance of humility, patience, gratitude, humility, and so forth, until they be, we become ever more habituated and stabilized in these ways of uh, living our life and of being in the world, it is, is the contemplative way. This then, go on from there, the grounding this in life, uh, there is the theme of creation. It was the passage of New Seeds of Contemplation. The world and time are the dance of the Lord in emptiness. The silence of the spheres is the music of a wedding feast. And so it is the theme of the already perfectly holy nature of life itself. That the infinite presence of God is, is presencing itself, is pouring itself out and giving itself away in and as the intimate immediacy of your very presence, the presence of others, and the presence of all things. It bears witness, then, to the holiness uh, of the manifested order of reality itself, all things visible and invisible. <clears throat> in our nothingness without God, that is, it's not to say that we are God, 
To the contrary, it is simultaneously to affirm our absolute nothingness without God, but it is that nothingness without God that makes our very presence to be the presence of God. The, so too with everyone around us, with, with the world itself. The next theme that Merton invites us to kind of sit with, or to be attentive to, or to kind of quietly uh, let into our heart, is to realize that there are certain moments we're graced with the realization of this divinity. Turning to see a flock of birds descending, uh, seeing children in a moment they're really children, knowing love in our own heart. That in these moments we're, we're, we're subtly like quickened from within. With, with the divinity of the intimate, uh, intimate immediacy of this present moment, just as it is. Okay. And so the, 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 the question then becomes, as these moments uh, dissipate as mysteriously as they come, okay, not to break faith with our awakened heart, that in my most childlike hour, the hour of the arms of the beloved, or an hour, or an hour of sadness, or sorrow, or loss, an hour alone in the midst of nature and service to the community, that, that, that in the very midst of life my heart was quickened, and I was graced with an awareness of that without which I know my life will be forever incomplete. I will not play the cynic, I won't break faith with my awakened heart. This then leads to the next truth of how these quickenings can begin to bring about us in us a certain longing to abide in the depths so fleetingly glimpsed. That is, I'm not, I'm not content to have these serendipitous uh, fleeting glimpses of this oneness that alone is real. But how, what is the path, the way of life, along which I might move into an ever more habitual, uh, ever more uh, deep and broad and abiding, habituated state of this divinity of the intimate immediacy of myself, others, and all things. And this is the path. That it, it is a path then of unconsummated longings. See, where can I find someone well-seasoned in such things who can offer trustworthy guidance of how I may be so stabilized, so habituated no, for us in our tradition, in, in this uh, Christ consciousness. Let the, let the mind that was in Christ Jesus also be in you. This mind of the divinity, of the concrete immediacy, of the invincible preciousness of ourself and our fragility in all our wayward ways. And then here's where Thomas Merton comes in. See? And these mystics. The mystics are men and women who have been... Um, uh, in, a, in a mystical experience, a moment of, of, of oneness, or a series of mystical experiences, have been transformed in such a way that they mystically experience everything that they experience. They bear witness that it is possible to live in this abiding uh, consciousness, this awareness. Shunru uh, Suzuki saying that the primary task of the teacher in these traditions is to give witness to the seeker that what the seeks is, what the seeker seeks is real. The very presence of the teacher bears witness that your heart has not deceived you, that it is possible to live in this abiding consciousness, because the presence of the teacher bears witness that it is possible, and the teacher bears witness that it's possible for you 
because if you wasn't already beginning to happen to you, you wouldn't even be empowered to recognize the teacher. And so, what is the path? And this is the path that Merton follows us on. This is the path of the cultivation of these attitudes, these transformations, this humility, this patience, and so on. This, 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 is, this is the path. This is the way. The next theme, then, is we see the importance in a meditation and prayer. That is, there is the importance of a daily rendezvous with God, a setting aside a quiet time where there's no agenda but love alone. So that in that um, unguarded vulnerability and devotional sincerity of prayer and meditation, um, we might anchor our heart in this awareness. And then ask God for the grace as we go through the day not to break the thread of that awareness. So that little by little by little by little, we live in an ever more habituated state of the divinity of every moment of our life, each person that we meet, and so on. The next theme is that this prayer and reflection can be seen as, as moving in two different phases. One is the phase of reflective prayer, or the phase of Lexio Divina. And so the Merton passage, My Lord God, <clears throat> I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. It's a reflective process. And so we open the scriptures this way. We, there is a word, the Lexio, the stance of Alexio, where uh, the beauty of the words resonate with our heart. And in that reflective process of taking in that word, then the meditatio, the meditation, is that we then reflect upon it. That is, we engage in a kind of intimate dialogue with God on how the beauty of this word that God has just spoken in our heart <clears throat> is active in us. See, how is it true for me? That how is it true for you that I don't see the road ahead of me? I don't know where it will end, and so on. And then in this unknowability of all that lies ahead, is this, this kind of quiet confidence that God has begun this work in us will bring it to completion, and so on. It's a kind of a reflective process. So the lexio is the taking in of the word heard. The meditatio is a reflective, engaged, interactive dialogue which awakens the prayer, which is the desire of the heart. Help me with this. Out of the depths I cry unto thee, O Lord, from the heart center. And we can see, as, this, as we go on in this way, it ripens into contemplation. So the contemplation is a kind of, a, a, it's like a wordlessly resting in the presence of God resting in us. A kind of a oneness beyond thoughts and words and images. So we saw this in the meditation with Merton uh, as he was sitting there in the chapel, the novitiate um, chapel at the monastery. Uh, about the beauty of the red and white carnations on the altar of the Novitiate Chapel, light warm and red all around the darkness. And he bears witness to a kind of quiet beholding, or a kind of quiet resting in the immediacy of this oneness, this kind of a non-reflective, contemplative, uh, communal oneness of uh, contemplation. And as, and as this deepens, and we saw too, that it deepens into a state where our very identity, that is our very self, uh, our customary sense of our separate self going through the day and so on, which in its own way is real, it's important, 
yields and gives way to a kind of a trans-subjective communion so that my, my deepest self by the generosity of God opens out upon the depths of God's own identity given to me, breath by breath, heartbeat by heartbeat. And I rest in that oneness, which is a kind of a, a obscure foreshadowing of my eternal destiny in passing through the veil, through the veil, veil of death. Because in this contemplative moment, it is a kind of a death. It's a kind of a sweet death to um, identify to anything less than an infinite union with the infinite love of God, giving itself to me as a reality of every moment of my life. And then we see then how this, this uh, the grounding place, it comes full circle for Merton. <clears throat> because uh, although it's a light that transcends the darkness of this world, <clears throat> it calls us constantly back whenever we start to lose our way. It calls us constantly back to our own body, to our own mind, to the people we live with, to the concreteness of the situation. And when we get disheartened uh, about the tenacity of our wayward ways, to know that this is <clears throat> where the divine mercy sustains us, where the divine mercy sustains us and takes us to itself as invincibly precious in all our wayward ways, which is the mystery of the cross, the mystery of experiential salvation, <clears throat> the mystery of <clears throat> placing our confidence not in ourself, not in our ability to live up to anything, but handing ourselves over in a confidence in the love that loves us so, in our inability to live up to this, it takes us to itself. I'd explain that we can't attain it, but it attains us in our inability to attain it. And so with this then, with these reflections, hopefully if you're so inclined as you sit with this each day, or you just sit with these, like the, the eloquence or the beauty of Merton's words to put words to such things that are so hard to talk about, that you might be moved and inspired to turn to the writings of Thomas Merton, take, take th Thoughts in Solitude or No Man is an Island or Disputed Questions or New Seeds of Contemplation or his other writings, and that you might um, uh, then sit with these teachings uh, about this contemplative way and how this contemplative way endlessly circles back upon the concreteness of life itself, on the concreteness of our daily life in the world, as a contemplative uh, man or woman in the midst uh, of the world. And um, so, so it is with this sense, then, that we'll um, end here uh, with meditation. I should then to sit straight, fold your hands in prayer and bow. Repeat after me. Be still and know I am God. Be still and know I am.
be still and know. Be still. Be. say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Mary, Mother of Contemplatives, pray for us. Thomas Merton, pray for us. Mother Teresa Calcutta, pray for us. In um, 
just sitting and reflecting during the quiet time of the meditation, it occurred to me to suggest something you might find helpful. You know, we just kind of sat for a few minutes in kind of the felt sense of just being present to this way of living our life. But if you would find it helpful, uh, if you're so inclined, you might take a, start a journal, like a contemplative prayer journal. What you would, could do is to write out these themes that I mentioned here, with the associated passages connected with them with Merton. You might also then write a reflection on where you are with each of those themes. And what I suggest to people is that what you could do at start a prayer journey is you would read, take, the, take a passage by Merton, say one of the passages that we've looked at here, and um, write it out longhand if it would help you to do that. I like outline it. I outline it. Roman numeral one was the topic sentence of the paragraph, capital letter A, capital letter B, like that. Because in order to outline, you have to read it, and you get the infrastructure of the passage. Merton uh, wrote it, see, and you can see there's a certain inner order to to the passage. It's not random, happen chance. After you've outlined it, which is a certain way of sitting with the passage, put a, a, a box on the page of the journal. And um, uh, if you were to say it in your own words, if you were to paraphrase it in your words, how would you say it? How would you take one aspect of that passage? How, how would you say it? You know, and maybe you'd be blank. You don't know how you'd say it. But if, but, if, but if you were to say it, as it's given to you, what would you say? Next, put another box on the page under there. Ask, how have, how have you, how are you experiencing the truth that the passage invites you to consider? So you look back at your life, moments of your life, where you are right now. How have you, or how are you now experiencing that? Third box, next box down. Is what's what's this asking out of you? That is how is your deepening consciousness of this spiritual truth? What's it asking out of you? And where are you at in asking God for the grace to live in this obediential fidelity to this circuitous path, this day by day uh, kind of patient opening up of yourself along this blessed path of following this this way, this ancient way, this intimate way of union with God, one with us in all things. Because uh, I think what you'd find, if you inclined to do that, you can then take those very same themes like I suggested, so when we start Teresa of Avila, you'll be able to fill in, and so on, just so, each, so there'll be this kind of layered kind of familiarity with the mystics a kind of a comfort in learning to live in their company and uh, learning to be faithful to this uh, contemplative, mystical depths of our own Christian tradition. And again, I think just as Merton was one of these great teachers in our own age in the monastery, speaks to all of us out here, uh, I think my affinity with uh, 
with the Living School, you know, with the teachings of with Richard Rohr and the teachers of the Living School, is he, he is, what Merton did in the Cistercian Order in the monastery. Uh, Richard Rohr is doing the Franciscan Order out here in the midst of the world, like contemplative church, contemplative church, and how contemplative church spills over into the corporal works of mercy, into social justice, and to the service, of, uh, Christ-like service to the world day by day. So with that then, uh, till next time, God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Turning to the Mystics, a podcast created by the Center for Action and Contemplation. We're planning to do episodes that answer your questions. So if you have a question, please email us at podcasts at cac.org or send us a voicemail at cac.org forward slash voicemails. All of this information can be found in the show notes. We'll see you again soon. Do you feel called to walk a more contemplative path? The Center for Action and Contemplation is an educational nonprofit supporting the journey of inner transformation. Our programs and resources will help grow your consciousness, deepen your prayer practice, and strengthen your compassionate engagement with the world. Learn more about our resources, such as publications, podcasts, email series, and events at www.cac.org.